We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What is going on, folks? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Indeed, Pepsi, and Bet Online. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. And joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. What's up, dude? How you doing? Hey, can okay. I tell everybody, like, man, hey, you guys probably don't know this, but, you know, I get, like, like web designs and stuff like that. Not web designs, but I have, like, this uh, person who, like, creates things for me, like logos and stuff like that. And this dude goes by the name of Rob Louder. Like, Rob is pretty... Who you guys, the hell is that guy? <laughs> Rob underscore Louder, that's his name on Twitter. If you guys need, like, logos and things like that, this dude is fantastic. So, uh... You guys got to check out his work. Actually, my Crocker Report logo. That was all. None other than Rob Louder. So, um, and he's working on, you know, I have my my uh, my gym I'm opening up out here in January. And guess who's working on my logo for me? Rob Louder. So, make sure you guys, you guys need anything done. I'll let my guy Rob. <laughs> I appreciate the shout out, man. I, I uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of kept my my graphic design stuff. You know, I guess you could say a little more low key as of late, or, or kind of just since I got out of college, because that's what I got my degree in. I got my degree in graphic design. I always wanted to know I wanted to do something art, but I didn't want to be a dude that just like stayed at home all day and did paintings and tried to sell them. That didn't seem fun. So I got a degree in graphic design so that I could, you know, design logos, websites, all that stuff. 
Well, I never, I didn't end up going down that route. I joined the military. And when I got back from the military, I got my teaching credentials and, you know, became a teacher, but I still had all those graphic design experience. So every now and then a friend, uh, will need a logo or something and I'll do them up and, and Crocker Crocker's my, my latest quote unquote customer as of late. So, uh, and that, I mean, shit, I really like both the things we've done, but <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of yeah. just, I kind of just keep it on the down low. Like a lot of people don't even really know I do it until it's kind of like something will come up. Like somebody will be like, like, Hey man, I'm, I'm starting a gym, you know, training athletes. And I'll be like, you need a logo? And they'll be like, yeah, I do. And I'll be like, all right, let me see what I can do. <laughs> Stuff yeah. like that. So it's a, I mean, it's a cool skill, skill to have. It's cool. I, I enjoy it. It, it. it just for some reason manages to come in handy pretty often. Well, and I think just the, like the thought process behind how you do it, you know, the, the mock-ups, the, you know, asking your class, you know, your students, like what they think about it, you know, going over it with the, the old lady, you know, and getting her, yeah. her, her, you know, raw and uncut, uh, you know, opinion on it. So, you know, I think just, you know, all of that, it's like, that's pretty cool. Well, and, and if, if I get her approval, then I know I'm good because she's very, she's my, my biggest supporter and my harshest critic at the same time, which is a great thing. You know, she's, she's very honest, which I always appreciate. And she was all about the one I, I created for you recently. And yeah, I did talk to my students. They, they seem to like it. I saw their facial expressions when I showed them too. They were like, yeah. damn. So, uh, it was, it was cool. And, and, you know, it came in handy too with all the streaming stuff. Cause I designed my, my own logo for that. And then I designed all the, the, the stuff that you see when you go to somebody's stream where they got all the graphics around the camera and, and the stuff that pops up. So I was able to, able to figure out how to do that too. So comes in handy, comes in handy. It's managed to stick around and it's a, it's a perishable skill too. So something you, you kind of lose the hang of if you don't keep doing it. So I'm glad yeah. I have found excuses to keep doing it, but I'm glad Anyways. I can provide that for you. <laughs> I know, man. I, I mean, I don't charge anybody money because I just, I mean, I like doing it and I like challenging myself. And obviously if it were like a random off the, you know, off the street, then, then of course that just happened to find out, you know, then of course money would be involved, but I'm going to be, uh, I ain't going to be charging my friends for this stuff. I just, I just appreciate the, uh, what do you call it? Like the, you know, just being able to sharpen the knife, if you will. Um, so anyways, 49er stuff, which is why you guys tuned in, I assume. Got a little bit of news today. I mean, nothing crazy, but got a little bit of news. Got a little bit of insight from Kyle Shanahan. Hopped on at around 2.30 uh, Western time. He uh, he kind of just gave an update on all, on the players that, that were injured uh, against Washington. Um, the first one I've got on the list is Fred Warner, who kind of suffered a stinger. They, they ended up labeling it a stinger. If you saw the highlight, he kind of went in to make a tackle and just really like jammed his head into the back of a player, and it kind of just peeled off to the right. It just looked like a super awkward angle, which of all the – in the grand scheme of injuries, a stinger would be one of the best results in the fact that he wasn't you know seriously injured. But they did say that – Kyle did say that it, it would require some more tests and that they needed to take a closer look at it before they could determine when he would be able to come back. And the same can be said for Raheem Mostert, running back, who may have re-aggravated his, his high ankle sprain a little bit. Kyle Shanahan didn't seem too concerned with it, but he did say that they were kind of – um, doing some more tests just to make sure that it was it wasn't any worse than it was because as we know, like we saw with with Jimmy Garoppolo, high ankle sprains one they take a while to heal and and it's and it's not hard to re-injure it. So we're hoping that Raheem's injury is not is not a re-injury and more of just kind of a little bit of soreness, if you will. So nothing nothing too huge there. The bigger impact. The bigger, you know, the bigger move with a little bit more implications is Debo Samuel on the first play of the game on offense against Washington did one of his patented end arounds, got the ball, ran for nine yards, and then promptly tossed his helmet and walked off the field because he knew that was that. But he did he did pull his hamstring pretty significantly, a hamstring strain, which. A hamstring strain is like a, a mild tear. So, you know, strains always, I feel like 
I feel like strains always get confused with like poles, which sometimes aren't bad. Like, and, it, and they might even be medically the same thing. But I do know that strains are considered like mild tears, whereas a, a severe hamstring hamstring strain is when you're like you could be almost tearing the muscle from the bone. So he suffered a pretty significant hamstring strain, hamstring strain, and Kyle Shanahan said he does not expect. Debo Samuel, the only way Debo Samuel's coming back is if the 49ers make the playoffs. I don't see that as a likely scenario. So essentially Debo Samuel is done for the uh, the rest of the season after just returning from, what did he return most recently from? A hamstring, right? Right. And, and he had just returned, had one really solid game, and then started this game and only made it one play. And Kyle Shanahan had some comments about how important, nothing pointed, nothing accusatory, but he did kind of lead the conversation towards telling Debo Samuel that, you know, you have to prepare for this NFL season throughout the entire offseason. You have to spend all of that time doing what's necessary to prepare your body to play 16 games. And given Debo Samuel's broken foot and then, another hamstring, and then this hamstring. Kyle Shanahan just didn't seem like he ever had time to prepare his body for what he was going to be asked to do on the field. And and that that may extend into the offseason as far as questioning how he prepared in the first place. So I, I don't know, Croc, what are your what are your thoughts on on the old Debo Samuel injury? Yeah, I touched on it a little bit last night, but or you know on the most recent pod, but just you know, lack of being able to get his body in shape. And as I was told by somebody from the South Carolina staff, he is someone where his weight kind of fluctuates and it goes up, you know, when he's not doing stuff like me, if I just like stop working out, I'm not lifting and I'm just doing whatever I might like lose weight, <laughs> you know? Well, you know, especially in my early days, like when I was younger, I would just lose weight. Well, he's the opposite, even though he's a little bit younger, he will gain weight. And you gain weight and then you try to push yourself to do something, you end up doing things like, I don't know, break your foot. And then now somebody who gains weight already when he's not doing anything, now it's kind of a little bit harder to like stay in shape and be game ready. And, you know, he had two months to kind of try to figure out different ways to get it going. But, you know, that's that's tough in itself, you know, like you know, without being able to like run or, you know, do anything that's really going to get you ready for actual football season. So he probably, you know, rode, rode the bike a lot, maybe started jogging, doing things like that, but not anything that's going to prepare you to just really go full speed. And early in his return from broken foot, hurt his hamstring. Coming back from the hamstring injury, plays a couple games, hurts his hamstring again, you know, and it's just a, kind of a snowball effect. So Hopefully, you know, not just him, but, you know, other guys learn to take care of their bodies more. And I was listening to Dante Whitner, and he talked about it, how guys, when they're younger, don't really know how to take care of their bodies. They don't know how to, you know, eat the right foods, take care of their bodies, all those type of things. And then um, it was kind of compounded with the 49ers not having a real offseason. So, the, you know, the, the NFL kind of hindered, uh, you know, guys and their health, you know, from that perspective. So. You know, a lot of things kind of working against him. Hopefully, he just kind of learns from it and uh, does a better job of just really staying in shape. And that was one thing. I mean, I noticed I watched some senior bowl clips of him, and I'm like, damn, he is not that twitchy right now. Like, he looks bigger, doesn't look as thin as he looked at the, at the senior bowl, doesn't look as twitchy as he looked at the senior bowl. So that would, should be something that he should aspire to get back to. Yeah, it's tough because a lot of that, and, and we're talking about a hamstring strain, stuff that, depending on how it all happened, could be prevented. And a lot of that comes down to a player's just motivation. You know, is that player motivated to maintain a strict diet? Is that player motivated to spend all kinds of time, you know, in ice baths and, and with physical trainers, getting all kinds of stretched out and doing your own stuff at home to make sure you're just constantly uh, at, at, at the peak of your condition. And so many of those steps are out of the team's control. Now they can kind of start to buckle down, down a little bit and create goals and plans and, and, you know, little restrictions here and there. But a lot of that just comes down to the player. 
and, and their willingness to kind of just embrace that complete lifestyle. And it's, you know, I'm certainly not saying that Debo Samuel hasn't done that. He may just be the recipient of some pretty crappy luck coupled with some pretty horrible timing and, you know, some unfortunate circumstances. But a lot of player preparation and taking care of your body just comes down to personal decisions. So hopefully he can he can get that back on the right track because obviously he's so talented. And right. given what we're seeing from Brandon Ayuk, the two of them can just be a super complimentary combo. You know, hey, like you remember his rookie year, he had to remember who was running with him after practice. It was it was uh, the receiver coach, uh, Wes Welker. Right. That was, you know, so like, I mean, that was like, hey, like you need to get lighter. <laughs> and his receiver coach ran with him. You know, those are so it's I know he's having like the issues this year, missing games. And he didn't miss a bunch last year. He missed, I think, one game. But it sounds like this is something that. He really has to learn how to get under control because now you, you know, you're you're missing too many games. Well, a receiver coach running with a receiver is never a good thing. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe your coach is just deciding to to hang out and 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 you know vibe with his players, but typically when you see that, it's, hey, Debo, meet with me after practice. We'll do some running. Yeah, and it's like that's typically the way it goes, and. Obviously, Wes Welker's not playing the game anymore. He doesn't have to be in great condition. He probably is just because of so many habits that were built up. But anytime a coach is like, hey, get with me after practice, we'll do some sprints, you know that, you know, maybe they're trying to instill a little bit of, of habit into him. And we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I don't think it necessarily it's worth overreacting to right now. But for the sake of the 49ers and the fact that, you know, moving forward, whatever they do at quarterback, being able to move forward with Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle, you cannot go wrong. Right. Kyle Shanahan can do whatever the hell he wants at running back back there, but as long as if those three guys are humming, then they're going to be able to make noise on offense no matter what. Yeah. And there so, are some guys that that just kind of maybe don't need to pay as close attention to, you know, what they're doing throughout an entire offseason. Like, maybe they can take it a little bit easier. It just doesn't seem like he's one of them. It seems like he has to do everything in his power to stay on point with everything that he's doing. And maybe other guys can kind of get away with, you know, taking some time off and, you know, doing things like that. But I, I just don't think that Debo is one of those type of guys. No, he looks like he wants to be real thick. You know what I mean? Like you could just tell by his body type, dude, his yeah. legs are just tree trunks. He, for lack of a better way of saying this, he's got a huge butt. Like he looks like a running back dude. And he just looks like a beast. And he just, it kind of looks like a body, a body type to where it would be easy for him to put on weight because he already has so much like mass. It's kind yeah. of, it's hard to explain it, but he doesn't look like a, his frame is meant to be skinny. You know, it's, it's just, <laughs> Right. Whereas Brandon Ayuk looks like with his long arms and stuff, like he looks like like kind of what you're talking about. Like if he wasn't training himself, he would probably get really skinny. Right. Yeah. You know, whereas whereas Debo Samuel kind of looks like the other way. I mean, I don't know what that means. Or, you know, if I just insulted the guy, I don't know if I did. I'm sorry, Debo Samuel. But it just that's just kind of what it looks like from an outward perspective. Um. All right. Continuing on with the news. Kyle Shanahan did say that one George Kittle might actually return to practice this week. And I don't really know how to feel about that. Hmm. I mean, if he's, if he's ready, he's ready. But like, and and of course I want to see him play again. I just, I don't know. Is it, is there a risk there? Is it worth it at this point? Is this just me, the, my subconscious saying the 49ers probably don't need to be winning any football games? Like, I don't know how to feel about it. How do you feel about George Kittle coming back to, to practice? I think football players want to play. Right. Uh, that's that's what should uh, it should know, come I, down to. Yeah. I mean, you know, if if I'm George Kittle and I'm able to get out there on the field, regardless of the situation, like, it's tough. Like, you don't meet people that are just like, you know what? No, I'm cool. Like, I don't know. Right. No, 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 no. Not like, at that level. Yeah. Like, somebody would have to hold him out. And, you know, I don't even know if we would see that. Yeah, like, nah, he's, if it's, if if 
he's medically cleared, he's probably going to play, regardless of how, even if Kyle Shanahan's like, we don't want him playing, he's probably not going to take no for the answer because who, like, what people don't understand, like, the, the practice week is kind of like, okay, got to get through this practice. But the games are fun. Like, it's fun playing football in these games. And it looks like he takes pride in doing all the dirty work and doing all those things. Like, he wants to play. He doesn't want to be somebody just sitting out there watching in the thing and then have to wait all the way till next year to be able to play in the game. It's easy for fans to be like, don't play. Like, you don't need to play. No need to rush back. You can get re-hurt. But when you're the actual player, it's like, dude, I want to play football. That's what I get paid to do. <laughs> and well, if you're the actual play. player and you feel good, like, and, right. and the doctors have said, like, if the doctors have said he's good to go, he feels good, then the only other reason – that he would not be playing is like the stupid stuff we talk about all the time where a team just doesn't want to win games at this point. And that's not a real thing in the NFL. So, you know, the moment uh, George Kittle, again, from our a broader perspective, from our perspective, we're not attached to the team. We know that at this point, winning games probably isn't great for the 49ers in the long term um, because, you know, they need to, they're, they're going to need whatever talent gets infused from the draft. But it still doesn't mean that you would ever say somebody purposely make their team worse. And if George Kittle can play, he's going to play and that's it. You know, he wants, you you know, his personality, he wants to be out there yeah. just doing ridiculous stuff. So it would be cool to, to see, you know, Hey, it'd be cool if, if one of the NFL's best tight ends was just playing again. So that, that could be interesting, but not as likely as one Jimmy Garoppolo who Kyle Shanahan said the team is being extraordinarily cautious with. Um, he got really, really close to needing surgery for his high ankle sprain. It was that bad. And they just said until the doctors feel good about him being out there, then he's not going to be out there. He said the doctors still said there was some risk this week, so he's not going to practice this week. Um, so that kind of just makes him his status week to week. Every week they're going to revisit with the doctors on, on how they feel about Jimmy Garoppolo getting out there. And um, so there is still a chance that we do see him. You know, the 49ers are playing Dallas this week, which of course is a big matchup. But uh, Dallas isn't one of the uh, one of the greatest teams this year, to say the least. Um, despite you know some, but I mean, like we said, losing your starting quarterback is going to have some ramifications for any team. And then they come up against the Cardinals and the Seahawks. So I mean, it's, do you think the the 49ers are saving? Jimmy G for the division games there, Croc? Uh, no. I think <laughs> I think the whole thing with Jimmy Garoppolo was just if he was healthy enough to play, you know, earlier when the team had a chance to win, I think they would rush him back. I think now, especially since it's a re-injury to the same, you know, foot or ankle, I think from that standpoint, I think they probably kind of lean more towards being cautious with him. Like, I don't think right. it's like – um, George Kittle situation where like, oh, it's just a freak incident. Like Jimmy Garoppolo, he had a high ankle sprain. They felt like they rushed him back. He clearly wasn't ready. Looked terrible against the, the Dolphins. And then you had the chance, you know, ran somewhat of an offense or whatever. And then a couple games later, he just, you know, or a game later after that, he got hurt. So I, I think for him, it's just more so uh, we don't, is you already re-injured this once. I think for them to have to rush him back, it would have to be a you know a playoff situation as well. Right, and the last thing they want to do is is cause some sort of re-injury that that lingers into the off season. Uh, I'm given they already had to contemplate surgery. I'm assuming that depending on what were to happen, you could deal with an injury where it, it brought him and actually carried over into the off season. So it, depending on what the 49ers' plans are with Jimmy G. They're obviously going to be safe with him. And because they want, if, if they're planning on keeping him, then they want to be able to take full advantage. They want him to be able to take uh, full advantage of the offseason along with the team. So they're just not going to mess with it. I mean, if I had to guess, I, I would assume we don't see Jimmy G this season. Um, and, and if we do, maybe it's, it's, I mean, but again, like you have Dallas, then you have Cardinals, and then you have Seahawks. So, it just I don't know. Just seems a little seems a little weird. Seems like no matter what, there's only three weeks time there. Is 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 the is the risk worth it? Especially if you you have major plans on 
him being for, with the team next year. So I don't know. I'm just I'm a little on the fence. Or you if you don't plan on him being with the team and you want to just be like, hey, he actually is good. He was just not healthy. We rushed him back. That's why he played poorly at that time. But hey, you can have him for a second round pick. <laughs> <laughs> Always scheming. <laughs> yeah, you know, so we'll see. Yep, we will see. Um, all right, let's get a uh, let's get a quick word in from our sponsors, and when we come back, Eric Crocker will hit Eric Crocker and I will hit our winners and losers from the 49ers loss to Washington on Sunday. Stick around. Twenty twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed's here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners at Striking Gold a free $75 credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offers valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, Fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Because right now, an ice-cold Pepsi may just be the best part about watching the 49ers. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, it's made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. All right, Crocker. Wait, speaking of Pepsi, man, I saw you had your nice little layout, TV on the wall. Pepsi in hand. It looked real comfortable. Hey, man. I, I I like to always be comfortable. I like being at home. I like being around my girlfriend. I like being in the comfort of my own home. I like all the the, the comforts that come with that. You know, chips and chips and salsa. You know, I me and my, uh, my dad, I don't know if you caught that TV set up, but there's no wires. Me and my... Uh, me and my dad installed an outlet behind my TV, so I wall mounted it, and then I, you know, I bundled up all the cords real nice behind the TV and just plugged them into the outlet that's behind the TV, so it just looks like it's kind of chilling on the wall. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, I, I, nice. I noticed things like that because, yeah, no, that was a great setup. Did you have yeah. uh, like soundbar speakers on the side of the TV? Did I see that? Or soundbar? Uh, they're on the they're on the bottom. I actually bought a, a it's called a soundbar mount that mounts your soundbar to the bottom of your TV. So that it just sits flush with the TV. So it was, uh, that's real nice. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, that was my gift to myself last Black Friday. Nice. How many, how I got many it. TV? Uh, 75. Oh, yeah. 75. I wanted to hit 80, but there, I just, it was a deal that I couldn't pass up. It was Vizio's absolute best TV. That was typically like twenty three hundred bucks, and it was on sale at Costco for sixteen ninety nine. Might have been fifteen ninety nine. So I was like, "This seems like a great deal," and I bought it. 
Yeah, I, I'm a sucker for TV. I mean, I'm in my room right now, and in front of me, you know, the the, the Browns and the Ravens are you know getting ready to play, and this is a 75 inch, and this is in my bedroom. Like, I, I just love like big TVs. I'm a homebody, like you. Like, I know we go to the game, um, cover cover the 49ers up there in the press box and stuff like that. I I go for the experience, and it's a unique experience that I've been like blessed to be in position, put in position to be able to do, but. I would much rather be at home with my feet kicked up watching my big ass TV. Like you can't even chant in the media room. Like I mean, not chant, but like <laughs> you can't cheer. You can't cheer. Like something happens and you, and you just have to. Be, and it's like, mm, like, <laughs> like you can't. <laughs> excuse me. You can't show like any real excitement. Like you know, like it's just like, like I um I was there when when uh. Goddamn. Wilson. Jeff Wilson scored the game-winning touchdown against the Arizona Cardinals. Yep, me too. Excuse <clears throat> me. And, yeah, we were probably sitting right next to each other. And it was just like, you could hear everybody wanting to be excited. Like, you could hear them like, <clears throat> like you hear like mummers, right? <laughs> you know, like, That's what the fuck I'm talking about. Let's go. Like, you can't do it. You just can't do it. You just got to be like real quiet. So you're like, <clears throat> right? Well, and- yeah, I can I can relate to you too because I there's there's nothing like that experience. Like I worked, I wrote for Chris Biederman for for years for free because I just wanted the experience. And Chris, being the the absolute gentleman that he is, you know, after some time, did what he had to do to you know. At first, it started out with you know my first NFL game uh, and going to the press conference. Before that. And after that, and then after that, it was, you know, my first training camp. And then it was, you know, my first uh, game credential during the season on my own. And then it was, you know, and Chris Biederman basically opened the door for all that. But as time went on, and and what's funny is he told me this in the beginning, too. I was like, man, none of this feels like work. This is awesome. This is so cool to be around all this and do all this. And Chris was like, Chris is a real laid back guy. And he's a real old soul. And he's just like, don't worry it will eventually. <laughs> and what's funny is my game day trips were, and you can kind of relate to this because, but it's just a shorter drive for you is I would wake up at about seven 30. I would drive two and a half hours to Levi's stadium. And then I would do the whole game thing. I'd go out in the field before the game for about an hour. And then I'd watch the game. And then after the game, you'd go to the press conferences and then you'd interview players in the locker room. And by this time it's, you know, seven 30 or actually four 35, and then now I'm getting back on the road and driving two and a half hours back to home. And then it eventually kind of gets to where you're like, man, I wish I was just at home in front of the TV right? <laughs> because this is a process and I, and I will still do it again. Um, I didn't, I didn't pursue uh, credentials this year just cause all the COVID stuff. I just decided it probably wasn't good timing. And, um, and now that, you know, we're holding things down for blue wire, I'll probably, we'll see how things are for training camp and, and this next season. Cause I do want to get back out there, but it's definitely a process and, and it involves a lot of work, especially when you know that you could be seeing almost everything from your own home. <laughs> so yeah. I, I can relate to that, but anyways, let's get into this winners, losers. Yeah. Obviously anytime the 49ers lose, it's more of a chore to, to comb through and find some winners amongst the chaos, but I guess it wasn't too hard hard this this week. Who was who was your and, and it's a bit of a surprise and I like to pick. Who was who was your first winner there, Crocker? Well, I want to dig deep for this, right? And just kind of go with somebody that's not the obvious. And I'm gonna go with Akella Witherspoon. Now Akella Witherspoon has been inactive in his coach's doghouse. Um benched, uh, ridiculed by everybody on social media. And he he has a well, – he, he played like two snaps in the previous game against Buffalo. And I remember being on live at the halftime of Buffalo and saying, like, look, if the Warriors want to run more man coverage, they're going to have to put Akella Witherspoon in. Because contrary to popular belief, he actually does not suck. Whatever's going on, I, I don't know. Right? He – he probably struggles against he struggled against elite receivers, but if you told me like, hey, we're gonna run man all game and we're gonna put a killer with on our second best receiver, he's fine. He'd be really good in that role, like really good. Um, 
Now, he's in the doghouse for whatever reason, and I get it. His play has been up and down. Maybe he hasn't lived up to the third round, uh, you know, uh, standards and whatnot, especially when the guys around him are, you know, hitting and you see Fred Warner about to get a big payday and probably be the highest paid linebacker in the league, probably be first team all pro this year. Um, you, you And you see Akella Witherspoon and it's it's been disappointing to most. But he stepped in and on the first drive of the game, it's third down. They throw it at him. He limits the catch to two yards. I said, good job. And I realized when they went, man, and I have to go back. I haven't watched all 22 yet. I've been gone all day. But more, he played some snaps. And it's just a win because he was not the issue. Right? It's always good when, when you play and nobody really notices that you play. And whatever happens in the game, you're not the issue with it. And just, just based off of that, and hopefully they can build a role off of that. Hopefully the team can continue to gain confidence in him over these next three games. Hopefully um, he gains confidence in himself. And really, as of now, for the next few games, he's not playing for the 49ers. He's playing for all 31 other teams in the National Football League that will be seeking help from cornerback. And clearly, I, you know, he's somebody that has the potential, has the talent. He just has to be more consistent. And um, it was good to see him out there. So definitely a winner. Took advantage of an opportunity where he's only getting this opportunity because guys are hurt. You know, guys are hurt. This dude has been a healthy scratch. He has been inactive. But he's getting this opportunity because guys are hurt. And he's taking advantage of that, even though it's a small role. So good job, Keller Witherspoon. I like it. I like it. And I like it for different reasons, obviously. All the things you said, but I I always just appreciate an underdog story or a comeback story, you know, and, and like we said, Akella Witherspoon has shown so many, so many times that he has the talent. He can do it. It's just, it's just, like you said, not consistent enough, you know, and the, and the, the ebbs and flows are too, too great. Some of the things he does are great. And then some of the things he does are horrible. And you've got to you got to kind of narrow that gap a little bit to where you can at least be relied on as a consistent starter, and that's and that's where he hasn't been able to to accomplish yet. But just maybe he you know maybe he pulls himself into a, a decent contract from another team. Maybe the 49ers bring him back if he's willing to 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 negotiate with the cost. And you know you just want to see somebody succeed. Maybe that's a, what it comes down to, to to me. I just like to see people succeed. Yeah. So, you know, it was it was good to see him doing that. Um, I'm going with the obvious pick. I'm going with the obvious pick. I'm going with Brandon Ayuk because I felt like, of course, it is obvious. But we also look like idiots if we don't mess, mention him because yeah. he was the lone bright spot of that game. Uh, my, not the lone because obviously we've got other ones, but uh, the lone bright, bright, bright spot. You know, he was the 49ers wide receiver one this game and he has been for a little while now because he stayed healthy he started the year off with what was the injury again it was super mild uh it was a little hamstring uh strain but like right towards the end of camp kind of filtered into the beginning of the season right right so he missed the first game and then came back for week 2 against the giants had a couple catches but wasn't really involved in the game plan Right. And, and so over, and I tweeted about this, I think we might've talked about it yesterday, but so in this game, he had 10 catches for 119 yards, which is outstanding. But over the last five games, when, when Brent, and you got to understand he's a rookie, there's definitely a learning curve and it's very, very steep for where he is right now. He's probably just starting to get to the point where he's pretty comfortable with the playbook and he's pretty comfortable with the routes he's required to run so he can start doing the the more natural things. And even then, there's still a few times where you see him kind of uh, – he ran one like curl, hitch route. What, those are different routes. I think it was more of a hitch. Um, where you could tell he just – he didn't do a good job of running up onto the defender. The defender never had to kind of give him any space. And, you know, when, when you're playing at the sticks and you're trying to convert on third down, you have to really sell the idea that you're taking off. Otherwise, the defender's just going to sit. The, the DB's just going to sit on the sticks because he knows that's where you need to get. And 
didn't really do that too well. Kind of just turned around, and the D, it was really easy for the DB to just come up and boom. So it was a great play by the DB. Uh, got there right as the ball got there, kind of over the back of of Ayuk, and immediately Kyle Shanahan had some words with him on the sideline. Didn't look angry per se. It's hard to tell with the mask, but it just had some words with him. And, he, and, and it, my guess was that it was probably on the way he ran that route versus what Kyle Shanahan wanted. So Ayuk is still learning, but over the last five weeks. He has amassed 36 catches for 485 yards, 14.4 yards per catch, and three touchdowns. And that's just through the air. He's also had a couple touchdowns on the ground, which those numbers kind of over the course of the season would put him over 100 yards, over 100 catches, over 1,500 yards, and coming up close to 10 touchdowns, which is, I mean, that is that is some serious production right there. And, and obviously well, – I- it's really easy to say, well, over the course of the season, this would be this, and and that doesn't mean anything because he hasn't done it. But I'm just talking. I'm just trying to give you some context on how good he's been over the last five games as a rookie, mind you. Now he he he's been awesome, and you just see his his role increasing. Like I said, you know, you talk about the first game against the Jets where he had two catches for 22 yards, I believe. That's just kind of off the top of my head. I think it was like two catches, 22 yards, and one of his catches he actually stole from someone like it was actually intended for somebody else. So, um, and then the other catch was just like a little like jump off, you know, out of backfield design play to get the ball in his hands. So remember, I, you know, if you remember back, I actually called Kyle Shanahan a loser, not calling him a loser, but you know, he was like labeled a loser for not, (laughs) for not using Ayuk more. Right. And when I say loser, I mean like, you know, in this segment that we're doing, but I was like, Hey, there was an opportunity where you're blowing the team out. Get your rookie involved. And now, you know, it seems he has progressed each week. It seems like he's grown in the role um, of kind of, you know, like a go-to receiver, at least, you know, when Debo's out, which, God damn, I forgot that. But um, I really like what I'm seeing from him. And I think he's only going to continue to get better. You know, he's going to continue. I mean, he plays so – he caught a pass uh, against Washington where – he got hit in the back before the ball got there, and he still was able to catch it with all hands. Like, I mean, he just does things that are really impressive. So, can't wait to continue seeing him, uh, you know, play. And and really, I think, you know, if you have a quarterback, and I, I know everybody's kind of getting on the 49ers quarterbacks on Twitter. I don't want to be that guy. But if you do have a quarterback that's more willing to throw the ball downfield, I think he can be an even more uh, uh, vertical threat as well. So, I look forward to seeing all of that. Yeah, he's. I don't think we've we've seen anywhere close to what Brandon Ayuk is capable of, and and I think, I think what Brandon Ayuk has done over the last five games as he's developed his relationship with Nick Mullins is just is is maybe not just as almost as impressive as what we've seen from like Justin Jefferson. You know, Justin Jefferson is out there doing everything that Stephon Diggs was doing with the Vikings, and maybe more. I don't I don't know how it all stacks up, but. And obviously, Stefan Diggs has found an amazing home in, with the Bills, and he's doing great things. But Justin Jefferson was one of one of was one of our favorite receivers in the draft. We talked about him on the pod, and he was somebody I liked a lot. He was always somebody I was into. So seeing him succeed with the Vikings has been great. But obviously, Kirk Cousins is a lot better than Nick Mullins, no matter how how frequently he's the butt of jokes among 49ers fans. And We've seen what Justin Jefferson is doing with competent quarterback play, and I and I assume that Brandon Ayuk would be doing everything that Justin Jefferson's doing. Uh, they're just both very, very, very talented receivers. So yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing any growth. I'd say they left with him. I'd say they left about forty yards on the field. When I mean by that, I missed fires on throws where the one yep. team was kind of thrown into the ground where he was open, and then the other one over the middle on a dig route where he was a lot of space in front of him. Yeah. A lot of space. So I'd say they left at least 40 yards on the field. I mean, we could be talking about, you know, 160 yard game. Right. Croc, you had one more winner that you wanted to touch on. Who is that? Jimmy Ward. And the, the, the reason why I had to, you know, again, I tried to dig deep on, on some of these winners and I kind of come up with, you know, specific reasons more so than what maybe other people are really thinking about. But Jimmy, man, I mean, yeah, Jimmy, he 
almost got an interception. I was really excited to see that. Like I posted a video, like, oh, you know, I thought he had it. But um just putting himself in position to be able to get a takeaway. You know, that's one thing that he hasn't done a whole lot outside of the two forced fumbles um, a couple weeks ago. Um, and even more so than that, man, at a time when you're down, you're down multiple touchdowns, multiple scores. There was one person I constantly, like, kept seeing just flying around, hitting people in the mouth, talking trash to everybody. And I appreciate that. You know, I had somebody, I tweeted that out, and somebody was like, why is he talking like they're losing? And it's like, dude, you don't stop talking because you're you're losing. Like, that's that's what we call a front runner, right? Front runners wait until, oh, we're ahead. Like, I'm going to talk trash. Like, anybody that knows, like, you play football, man, like, it's a prideful game. It's about confidence and all that. And him talking lets me know he's 100% dialed in, even when the 49ers are down. There's a lot of people, man, we down and start, you know, I don't want to say taking plays off, but maybe not, you know, going as hard. Well, Jimmy Ward, he's going hard the whole time. Um, and he's going to let you hear about it. I heard him talking. <laughs> he smashed somebody and was like, what? Like, what you going to say? Like, I heard him. I'm just like, man, this is hella funny. But I like it. So um, continue to play with that edge. Uh, definitely, you know, when you don't have Fred Warner, you don't have Bosa. And, I mean, really, if you, even if you have Bosa, because he's not like a vocal person. But you don't have Fred Warner, that that real um, person that really kind of brings that energy and that fire and that, you know, trash talking. It's coming from Ward, and you know I appreciate that. You know, and they still had a chance to come back. That the defense made a stop, give the team the ball back with a chance to tie the game up. Obviously, it didn't work that way, but part of the reason why they were even even able to get in that type of position is guys like Fred Warner still continuing to bring that energy. So definitely a winner. Yeah, and and I think it was I think it was Michael Jordan in the Last Dance that, that was telling one of those teammates like it's easy to it's easy to talk trash when you're up. But it's 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 one thing to talk trash when the game is tied or you're losing, you know. He just he, he, you could tell that he had a respect for somebody who that will talk trash no matter what the circumstances are, um, because it's 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 just too easy to do it when you're winning. That's that's it's obviously you've got plenty to talk about. But if you're if you're willing to back that up even when your team's losing, then it's just a different mentality. And mm-hmm. and I like it. I'm I'm the same way. I feel like if you're gonna talk trash, you just do it the whole time. Talk your talk, play your game, and and whatever happens happens. But don't let it don't let it affect the way you play. But. All right, we saw that play, you know, and I just saw it on Come On Man. But the cornerback from Texas A and M. Uh, oh, I saw that. Oh no, crash and he got beat. Like I was more upset with his like field swag. Like his field swag was terrible, and the trash talking. Like yeah, it's unfortunate you're talking all that trash, and I mean big trash too. Like I mean he was going after it with the receiver. And I, I mean, he held up a zero, so I'm assuming that to that point the receiver had zero catches. But next play, he gets bombed on. Can't let that happen. But what I would like for him to do is keep that same energy. You know, like if I could talk to that corner, like, yeah, you're, you know, yeah, I got to coach you up on your field swag. But also, if that's who you are and you're that trash talking person, keep that energy. Like, you can't get quiet now. You got to make a play and be like, yeah, I'm still here. Okay, you got me. And like, make another play then. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. it's got to be that. You can't just be like, well, I'm going to shut up now. Hell no. Nah. That in. guy, I mean, man, after he got spanked, he just walked off. And and that and that receiver was in his ear, too. And oh, he just, yeah. you know, it, it is what it is. That poor guy. But, hey, you earned it. You were you were running it. And then once you got once you got beat one time, he just was he's like, I'm going to walk away. So, <laughs> yeah, that was, it was, that was funny. But anyways. All right. So that's that's a good this is a good transition to our losers from the game. Players that 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 played a very direct role in in the, in the outcome. So, Croc, who cares if it's not obvious? Who cares if it's obvious? Who's your first loser? Nick Mullins. <laughs> I mean, he, are you sure you want to go with Nick Mullins? He scored more touchdowns for Washington than Washington scored for themselves. Matter of fact, Washington did not score a touchdown. But between his fumble and, you know, okay, I'm not saying he tried to do a little much, you know, and he ended up like running and, and getting a uh, sack strip from behind. It got picked up for a touchdown. Okay. And then the pick six, it, you know, it's just regardless of how it happens, all I know is he too often is on the wrong end of turnovers. Like, he turns the ball over too much. And, yeah, like, it's like every week 
And, and that's who he is. He's a turnover machine. I get it. But it doesn't make it any better. So definitely this week, I mean, with that, with the overthrows, with the weird throws, you know, we talked about it yesterday with Dwelly sitting in the open zone and then him throwing him back into coverage and making it have to be like a contested catch. Um, you know, these terrible passes to receivers at that lead to drops where it's like you have Ayuk settling in his area and then you just throw it out in front of him hella hard and high and it goes off his hands. Like, same thing happened with Bourne. Like, you, you're not helping these guys. You're not helping them. So that's not to say that he didn't make some good throws. I saw sometimes where he was able to set up in the pocket and, and drove the ball downfield. Great. I just thought there were too many, you know, mistakes, turnover-worthy turnover, uh, plays. There was times where I just felt like, damn, I feel like this guy is trying to turn the ball over. Yeah, he just – it was just bad. And on top of that, I saw something, dang, and I wish – you know what? It's probably still in my DMs. Let me go – I mean, it's probably in my DMs. Let's see. Cause I'm in this. Hey, we got, we got time. Yeah, I'm in this 49er group chat. And I think I saw them talking. Yep, got it. So, according to quarterbacks' efficiencies over uh, 2020 weeks 12 through 14, so that's game. That's the you know game, the 12th game, 13th game, and or three games. It's over three games. Week 12, 13, and 14. Nick Mullins is dead last in quarterback efficiency. I repeat. Nick Mullins is dead last in quarterback efficiency. So there are people that will be like, well, Kyle Shanahan in this play calling. Why is he doing this and doing that? It's like, dude, <laughs> what the hell I do if my quarterback is dead last in quarterback efficiency? Now, what this goes off of, it looks like his uh, EPA per play uh, passes rush. So expected, uh, what, something. I don't know exactly what all this stuff means. Completion percentage above expectation, uh, above expected. Uh, uh, hey, it's it's all you, man. I got no idea. Yeah, well, yeah. So one is completion percentage above expected, and then the other thing is is EPA per play, which I think is like some kind of earn like expected uh, uh, percentage or something like that. Like it's like the the plays that you're expected to make. Why well, the way between those two stats that kind of go into quarterback efficiency, he's dead last. And regardless of if I know what this is or not, I know I don't want my quarterback to be dead last. And he is. Right behind Cam Newton and Carson Wentz. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> Which is, I mean, is is lofty company considering who Nick Mullins is in relation to those guys, but still not where you want to be. Not where you want to be. When guys are ahead of you, like... I mean, everybody else, but... <laughs> 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 but, like everybody else, <laughs> everybody's ahead of you. Taysom Hill, guys, like Taysom Hill was kind of high on this, and that's a guy who people were like, "Man, bitches ass," you know, a couple weeks ago. And now it's like, "Hey, just kind of playing good." Yes, he played very well yesterday. Um, Nick Mullins isn't playing well, and I mean, he's the root to the 49ers issues. Again, he is a backup quarterback, but even then, you would like your backup quarterback to give you more than what he's giving you. And so far, it's just been trash. So. Nick Mullins definitely loser. Yeah, it was. I mean, there's no avoiding that. It, it, it is what it is. And and Mike like we Glennon. said, he's huh? Mike, he's behind Mike Glennon. Well, I mean, I think the 49ers would look better with Mike Glennon. <laughs> I mean, it's, I I'm I'm not trying to be a dick, but uh, yeah, they probably would. They yeah. probably would. So I I don't know, but there's no getting around it. And again, we've we've said this time and time again. He's a backup. That's what we expect from Nick Mullins. But it's still, it is what it is. He's not to this. Like I, I think when it's when it's this bad, it's like why why should I keep him on the team? Like why should we? I would I would, I would be surprised if CJ Beathard is starting against Dallas Cowboys. Well, and then you know when when we're at this point, and I'm looking it up right now, like. What free agent quarterbacks are out there right now that could play better than these guys? You know, I I, I feel like there there are some probably some quarterbacks that are available right now. Now, obviously, there'd be a huge learning curve of them trying to pick up on on Kyle Shannon's offense that quickly. But I feel like there's probably a lot of quarterbacks out there right now that that could outperform what we're seeing. Right. 
you know, and, and that's when you're at a point where you're like, what the hell is the point even anymore? But anyways, my first loser is Mike McGlinchey and everybody who watched the game knows why. Now, a- after having a day to kind of marinate in what happened, apparently, and I haven't, I haven't watched the, the film or anything like that, but I, you know, given his pressure numbers, apparently McGlinchey had like a halfway decent game especially when you're considering they're going up against a very, very good elite defensive front. He did whiff on a block that would have sprung Brandon Ayuk for a pretty big game earlier. I can't remember exactly when it was. But then you have the 49ers' final drive of the game. They've got plenty of time, over two minutes, to drive the field, score, and convert a two-pointer to tie the game up. Well, in in a three-play series, Mike McGlinchey... Okay, so the 49ers completed a huge pass from Nick Mullins to Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne caught it and took it for, I don't know, 30 to 40 yards. Like, oh, they were in field goal range at least. That's about where they were on the field, somewhere in, you know, the 30-ish yard line um, going towards the end zone. Well, the entire play was called back because Mike McGlinchey was beaten badly by Montez Sweat, who is not a, he's a decent pass rusher, but he's nothing out of this world. And he got beaten pretty badly by Montez Sweat and had to hold in order to keep Nick Mullins from being sacked. If Mike McGlinchey wouldn't have held Sweat, um, is it Sweat or Sweet? Sweat. Okay. Just making sure. I almost talked myself out of that. If he wouldn't have held him, he would have been sacked. So, obviously, it's still a good move, but the fact that he had to do it and wipe out that play is unforgivable in that moment. And then two plays later, I can't remember what happened in between that. But two plays later, on fourth down, Mike McGlinchey got beat again in the same way that he gave up a quarterback hit. Nick Mullins was hit right as he was throwing on fourth down, and the ball kind of just landed in front of the receiver. Um, It it just was a really, really bad series for McGlinchey. And the unfortunate thing is, if he did have a decent game, no one's going to remember that. Because in the end of the game, when the team needed you the most and the team needed you to hold up, you didn't. And that's all anybody's going to think about. It's the prime example of, you know, what have you done for me lately? Because he may have had a great game or at least a decent game, not a horrible game, but that last drive was horrible. And he's was almost single-handedly. It might've been single-handedly the reason they lost or at least didn't score on that drive was because Mike McGlinchey couldn't do his job. And that's just a rough look. Uh, no way around it. So I, I think regardless, like fans are going to take, you know, they're going to take whatever, however they feel and they're going to run with that. Um, you know, we've seen it with, you know, obviously, I, you know, I talk about Kendrick Bourne a lot, but, you know, last year he dropped three passes. But if you ask 49er fans, he dropped 20 passes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, no, <laughs> right. Two against the, the Seahawks. But, the, but, like, the comments I get is, nah, he drops passes in every big moment. It's always a key play when he drops the ball. And it's like, dude, he dropped three passes in two in one game. So you mean to tell me in 15 other games he dropped one pass, which was, if I'm not mistaken, against the uh, Steelers over the middle. And that was early in the season. So, like, more, more games than not, he played extremely well, like, for, for who he is. But that's not what they remember. They just remember he has a uh, problem catching the ball. So... Um, you know, well, even I mean, not to uh, not to to throw you under your own bus here, but who are you going to talk about as your last loser? Kendrick Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I mean, I'll get straight into it. Um, or first, yeah, McGlinchey. Fans, <laughs> they notice they notice the bad. A lot of times, they don't notice the consistency, right? So I always try to bring context, and I always try to look at. Plays from a, from a, like a, a, the perspective of this play is one of sixty five plays or however many snaps in that game. So I would never say that somebody had a bad game based off of one or two plays, regardless of what those one or two plays were. You know what I'm saying? Because over the other sixty three plays, they played it very well. So I always look at it as. That's just a hiccup. Now, when you talk, especially when you're talking about offensive line. Now, you know, obviously receiver, you only get so many opportunities. So, you know, when you're dropping balls, like, yeah, no, you had a poor game. But, um, yeah, I, I try to look at, like, the big picture. Now, with Kendrick Bourne, 
Yeah, especially with me jumping out in front of it and just be like, yeah, man, all these catch passes, like, y'all better stop talking about his hands. Then he just, like, two, two like a possession later, he just drops two passes. Um, which, you know, okay, a little difficult, whatever. But the third one definitely wasn't uh, difficult that he dropped. And he's he's a loser just because of, it's like, you're, you're not getting 10-plus targets like Ayuk, you know? You're going to get these. And, and then you have an opportunity right now to step up as the number two guy because Debo Samuel isn't there. So, like like Akella Witherspoon, who in limited playing time, I, I felt like whatever, however many snaps he played, he was never the issue. Kendrick Bourne, you can't be the issue because you're not going to get those opportunities like that all the time. You're not going to get 10-plus targets. And I saw him take advantage of it early in the season. I want to say against the Giants, he had eight catches. Um, needed him to get a few more catches this game, not just for my bet, but just for his, you know. <laughs> so. Um, definitely a loser, you know, because of that. And, um, you know, he'll go do some soul searching. Okay. I'll drop some passes, start dancing again, have fun again. Uh Well, I mean, when I was, when I was younger in uh, middle school and high school, every time for every drop pass I had, whether it was in a practice or a game, my dad was throwing me 50 footballs. So if I had three drop passes, two drop passes, I was running at least a hundred routes, you know, like, and they obviously with that amount of, 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 uh, with those numbers, they weren't all full speed because it's just, that would be impossible. But, uh, I was, I was catching a lot of footballs for all my drops and, and Kendrick Bourne's got good hands, man. I, I'm not, I'm not down on Kendrick Bourne. I think he's a talented football player. If you put him on like a high volume offense, I think he could be like a, a consistent five or six catch a game guy, you know, somebody that, that teams, uh, will consistently, rely on you know and the 49ers have have done that but it's just you gotta it's almost like it's it's just tough because like you're saying man if you're in that position and you're right on that wide receiver three fringe you have to you have every chance you get you have to seize otherwise there's just always somebody there waiting to take your spot you know and and richie james we've seen him do good things and 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 the more the more Passes the Kendrick Bourne drops, the better for him. And we didn't bring up Richard James, but he 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 played he played well, you know, within the targets that he was getting. I think the one thing that I guess is a boat of confidence for Kendrick Bourne is the fact that after he had three drops, they continued to go to him and he made plays then. You know, he had like, you know, a few catches in the second half, a couple that were tough, one that got called back. Um, they still continue to go to him. So I'm pretty sure that, you know, I don't think the team has lost confidence in him, but uh, yeah. I don't either. I don't, I don't either. Not, not at all. Uh, It's just, that's how people got to look at it. Right. Like, right. It was was a poor game. It was a poor game, you know? Well, and the one thing I would like, it's just, it's with anything. And I understand these guys are making a lot of money and they're in in a different spotlight, but we, we're not always at our best at every moment. Like we all make mistakes in every little part of life. And I understand I'm probably getting a little too deep now, but you just, you just have to try to have a little bit of a sense of, of context and depth to your thoughts. And don't just, I just see too many fans and I understand a lot of it probably is trolly a little bit, but I just see too many fans that go off the rails based on a very, very small sample size who also probably weren't saying shit when the player was doing something good. Right. You know, like, I'm not I'm not a Mike McGlinchey supporter, but nobody probably said shit when he was getting his blocks because that's his job. And nobody probably said anything when Kendrick Bourne was making those consistent, you know, eight to twelve yard catches all the time. But the moment he, you know, he he does what what we saw him do, and then it's get this guy off the team. And there's just there's more, there's a lot in between that, that you're missing. There's no use for him. And it's like what? You're talking about like a guy that was just your best red zone threat a year ago. <laughs> like right. continue into the playoffs. Like f- first drive of the game when the 49ers scored in the playoffs, who caught the ball? Like Kendrick Bourne. Like that's who they went to. And well, now, I just yeah. imagine if the moment you screwed up in anything, maybe your job, the moment you screwed up, every the 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 boss was just like, You're fired, get out of here. That's it. It's done. We don't need you. And and that's kind of just how some fans act. Like the moment your you struggle is the moment you should leave. And I don't know just seems a little stupid just kind of how i feel you know is what it is think about that but anyways did we get all our losers do we have anybody else i think that's good no that's it we ended with kendrick Bourne. that was it 
All right. Well, we, you know, obviously are wrapping up now for the episode. We'll be back on um, Wednesday. We'll be recording Wednesday for our, our Thursday morning mailbag, and then we'll be back on here Thursday previewing the 49ers versus the Dallas Cowboys, which is always fun no matter what's going on. At least we get to see 49ers versus Cowboys, two of the best-looking uniforms in professional football, very aesthetically pleasing. And, you know, it's just it's 49ers and Cowboys, man. If, no matter how bad each team is, you can always get up for 49ers versus Cowboys, right? Am I right? My brother's a big Cowboy fan. One of my good friends, Devin, is. Um, like, this is the one where, like, I've been telling him, like, yeah, like, you know, for draft uh, positioning purposes, you know, I would prefer the 49ers lose. But, like, regardless of how this season's going, if the Cowboys beat the 49ers, I'll hear this for the rest of, like, until the 49ers play the Cowboys again, I'll hear about this. And <laughs> right, I, and I have I have two close friends uh, who are both Dallas Cowboys fans too. So it's it's chat, always fun. Just going off right now. I'm looking at my phone. I see the group chat. Like we talk constantly. So if the 49ers lose the Cowboys, I'll I'll never hear the end of this. But I will say this with what's going on, and we haven't really touched on this. If the 49ers, which it looks like they will, finish fourth in the NFC West next year, when everybody comes back healthy and you've improved everywhere and all that stuff. You play a fourth place schedule. I think that's something that kind of gets swept under the rug a little bit, right? That that's a big deal. It is, man. I mean, I mean, you've got either a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo or or a, or some other quarterback that offers you something. You've got a healthy Nick Bosa. You've got a healthy George Kittle. Healthy Debo Samuel. Like that's and, and again, it, the Forty Niners would definitely be better than their schedule. That's for sure. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate everybody that's on here right now listening. Um, can't do this without you guys. Appreciate all the support. Make sure that whatever you're listening to the podcast on, you drop us a review, drop us a rating, show your support. Whatever you think of the podcast, just make it known. We appreciate it. Um, but, hey, for another evening, hey, make sure you jump on Twitter on Wednesday. Crocker and I are going to tweet out our mailbag stuff. Make sure you jump on Twitter and participate so that you can get your questions answered on the Striking Gold podcast. That's all I have to say. Thank you for part. Thank you for the support. Thank you for being here for another episode. This is Striking Gold. Signing out. Justice for Keller Witherspoon. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.